0: hey everyone this is jason and welcome to the bold moves only podcast for today's episode we have matt haney district 6 supervisor in my home city of san francisco california For those who aren't sure what a district supervisor is, I'll leave it for him to explain, but he has really been doing some great things in San Francisco and definitely making some bold moves. I think that over the course of this past year, we have really opened our eyes to the importance of local politics, and I wanted to bring someone on to show you how important your vote is, even at the local level, from top to bottom of your ballot. It was a great conversation, so let's get into it. Hey, Matt, welcome to the Bold Moves Only podcast. Thanks for having me. I actually back back in 2018, I was I was at Cal and I wasn't super into local politics. I didn't know a lot, but my friend Avery worked for Dean um, and his campaign. And she was like, look, I need your help. We're teaming up with Matt um, (laughs) and we need people to canvas so. I was canvassing super hard. <laughs> I, I, I got verbal confirmation that I convinced people to vote. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you for doing that. <laughs> but now I'm glad
0: I did because now I know more. Now I actually know more about you. And,
1: <laughs> and I hope it didn't completely turn you off from politics. Or
0: <laughs> the funniest thing was, it I mean, I was so I was right next to somebody else canvassing against your opponent. He was so frustrated that he knew that I knew nothing besides your platform uh-huh. I, that I had learned uh-huh. that Avery had told me the day of. Uh-huh. And I was convincing people to vote for you and everybody was just walking right by him and you could just see the, <laughs> the fury in his face that he had been working on this campaign for months and months. And he's just like, who is this asshole?
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, it um, that's sometimes how politics work. You know, you have to figure out the message that people respond to. And um, yeah, so, well, thank you for doing that. That's a funny story.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> so you are a district supervisor in San Francisco, and there's such a rich, interesting history with this title. I'm wondering what that means to you, especially being someone who was born and raised in San Francisco.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's interesting. Sometimes I have to explain to people what a supervisor is because, uh, in in San Francisco and even beyond, it has sort of an outsized uh, sense of of the role. Even and it, it, you know, I mean, really, what we are is we're a city council person legislator for the for the um, for the city and and because San Francisco is a city and county we are supervisors and so we have all of the powers that a a county supervisor and and another county has and also a city um, council person and uh, you know there is this rich history of it you know you have Harvey Milk and Dianne Feinstein and um, the importance of supervisors not only in San Francisco but beyond is, is is really widely known and I think that sense of responsibility and the fact that I only have four or at the most eight years to make a contribution, not only for the residents that that, that I represent currently and their well-being and their quality of life, but also in forwarding and moving moving the legacy of San Francisco as a place that sets trends and that leads and is, is a place that folks all over the country and the world look to uh, to you know a, a, as far as where social change should go and uh, and where policymaking uh, should go. So I think that as a supervisor, I take on both of those mandates. It's one delivering for the people I represent right now, but then how am I on the big questions of of social justice, economic justice, environmental justice, uh, really pushing the envelope in a way that that can honor the legacy that I'm a part of?
0: I think that. This past year, unlike any other that I can remember, has put a spotlight on the significance of local politics, from the push for police reform to how cities have handled COVID, just to name a few things. I think people are starting to realize that their vote really matters, not just for the presidential ticket, but from top to bottom, what people vote for can make a difference. Can you explain why you believe local politics are so important?
1: I think it's the, the 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 level of politics where you're most directly connected uh, to people and their lives. Uh, you know, I get calls, you know, uh, that there's somebody who is on the street who needs uh, to get into shelter or housing, somebody who's going to be evicted that needs us to intervene. Uh, you know, everything from that to how do we make sure that. All of our residents have health care, or that our schools are funded, and that our you know teachers are supported. So we have you know the range of both the the very big questions that you know a state or, or federal uh, uh, government would would face. But then we also have the really direct things, you know, somebody could pass a federal bill or somebody could get elected to Congress. And most of my constituents would never be affected in any way, at least not for you know, some, some longer period of time, maybe over the long-term they'd be affected. For us, when we do something uh, or don't do something, it can immediately affect our constituents and their quality of life. And, and you can see it, you, know, you can walk around. And, and, and in that way, we're demanded to, to deliver results in a way that a lot of other elected officials don't experience. People walk down the street and they go, it's dirty on this block. What the heck is my supervisor doing? <laughs> you know, what is my mayor doing? Uh, they don't walk down the street and say it's dirty, and they say, "Where's my state assembly member?" and "Where's my congressman?" Uh, they expect the results to come at the local level, and 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 you can really see the positive things. I mean, we can you know see when we help open a new small business or we open a new childcare center. Immediately, people. Uh, experience a change in their quality of life. And so that's, that's a really powerful thing. It also uh, puts more pressure on us and and maybe uh, in some ways, uh, unrealistic expectations of what we can do. I mean, a lot of the problems that you see around us are problems that are a consequence of failures at the state and federal level. Uh, yet it's the local officials who are expected to figure out how to solve it. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an interesting responsibility, but it's one that I, you know, I really enjoy and I and I feel like I do have a lot of ability uh to make a difference. Also, we can bring people together. So if if it's not a policy matter that I can necessarily introduce legislation around, I can call the found a foundation, I can call a local business, I can bring together local leaders and try to make a difference there. And so uh, the ability to work as a convener and an advocate is also I think much more you know, uh, uh, available to local elected officials.
0: Yeah. And what drove you to get into politics in the first place? Were there any defining moments in your life that made you feel that this was the best avenue for you to make an impact?
1: Um, for me, it was, you know, it was a couple things. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I grew up here in the Bay area. Um, uh, you know, I had, um, a sense of, uh, you know, some of the, the challenges and the inequities and things that, uh, you know, I, I felt either passionate about or wanted to change. Um, I had some, you know, personal experiences in my life that really led me to to a to a path of public service. I lost um, uh, one of my best friends at uh, 19 years old to a, to a suicide, and he had been addicted to drugs and really failed in a lot of ways by our school system, as well as our criminal justice system. And so I kind of set out at that point to try to. Uh, his name was Kevin. Uh, to make sure that I could do whatever I could to, to change those systems and those institutions and the way that they support and see people, especially young people, uh, and their experiences and needs and, and really be much more supportive of them. And, uh, and then, you know, I, uh, I actually joined the, the 2008, which at that point was in 2007, Barack Obama campaign for president. And that's when I really got involved deeply in politics itself and campaigns and, Decided, you know, through that that I that I wanted to, you know, take what I had learned and what I had seen and and what really, you know, was possible that 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 we accomplished as part of that campaign, and work locally and bring some of that same energy and uh, focus uh, to to some of the issues that I wanted to change at the local level. And so I got very involved here. I I went to law school. I got an education degree, and then I uh, ultimately decided to run for school board because. At the time, as I said, I was really especially concerned uh, at the ways in which our school systems you know, didn't always support young people and often push them out or kick them out or suspended, expelled them. And didn't really provide the level of support that, that all of our kids need, especially in San Francisco where we have a lot, a lot to work from. <laughs> and uh, so I ran for, for school board in 2012 and, and have continued from there. <laughs>
0: And as part of the school board, what were some of the achievements that you're most proud of?
1: Well, the first thing that I did when I got on the school board is, is I authored a, a policy called the safe and supportive schools policy, which is really the, the framework for the, for the school district that they still ha- have around making sure that we are using um, you know alternative uh, forms of, of uh, you know dis- d- discipline, not suspending and expelling. Uh, students having restorative practices, having um, you know uh, behavioral interventions that are really supportive and, and effective. Looking at school culture and climate, and uh, it, it really transformed the way that 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 we approach a discipline in the school system. We, we, at the time, there were thousands of students that were being suspended for something called willful defiance, which you know was really kicking kids out of school and putting them on, in some cases, on a pathway to to uh, leave school entirely or end up in the in the juvenile justice system and so we we were able to change a lot of that we cut suspensions in half and was really uh, proud of the work that we did there and fundamentally uh, if we expect a young person to you know want to learn math or 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 you know pay attention in class uh, you have to have an environment where they feel supported and they feel welcome and they don't feel uh, constantly under attack and so you know, some of the changes we made, I think really changed our schools for the better, uh, in, in a transformational way. Um, you know, I was able to do a number of other things. We were building a new school in mission Bay, which is an area that I now represent. Uh, we passed a policy to have K through 12 computer science education. Um, we're building te- we built housing for teachers, uh, a lot of things that I'm very proud of. Uh, and, um, we st- obviously still has a, have a ways to go, but, uh, you know i really um you know i i think that school board and school districts you know is also a very powerful impactful place to have it you know to to for, for local leadership
0: yeah i mean that goes deeper into the importance of elections top to bottom and have it how every vote matters um actually fun fact my grandpa was on the school board back in the 60s oh wow <laughs> yeah um so you also got a master's degree in human rights from the National University of Ireland. And recently, I've actually been thinking a lot about what would happen if more elected officials had a background in human rights. I'm curious to know if you feel that this has contributed to and or shaped the work that you have been doing.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I think that, that a lot of the rest of the world uses a framework Based on human rights to talk about public policy, and they, when somebody doesn't have housing, when somebody doesn't have shelter, when somebody doesn't have, you know, water or food or healthcare, uh, a lot of the rest of the world says that's a human rights violation. That's there are certain, uh, you know, rights that are that are enshrined not only in a in a constitution, which is how we usually talk about it as civil rights, but uh, actually that transcend any you know, single document or any single uh, nation state. And so for me, when I look around the Tenderloin or South of Market, you know, I see I see uh, ways in which we are not fulfilling our responsibility to ensure people's human rights. And I think it really drives a lot of what I do. I've, I've spent a lot of time on the Board of Supervisors thinking about things like bathrooms and water and. And uh, and obviously housing and shelter and healthcare, you know, and, and and workers' rights. These are things that I think, again, should be thought of as human rights. And I think I was lucky to to have had uh, an education uh, in 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 that tradition. And it goes back, you know, hundreds of years. It goes back, you know, to 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 sort of basic questions about. Um, what each person each human deserves and uh and i think that's a lot of what drives me in 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 my involvement in politics
0: yeah and a human right that needs to be addressed in san francisco is housing Uh, this is definitely something that's not possible to not address it is extremely rampant in san francisco and early on in the podcast i actually spoke to jennifer friedenbach from the coalition on homelessness and if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that conversation, I highly encourage you to check that out. But there are about 8,000 homeless people in San Francisco and a significant percentage of that homeless population live in your district. What are some steps as district supervisor that you have taken to deal with this? And what do you think needs to happen in the future for this issue to be fully addressed?
1: Well, we worked a lot on this issue. We opened a, a number of new navigation centers in my district. We uh, work to expand permanent supportive housing, passing Prop C and implementing that uh, with hundreds of millions of dollars in permanent ho- permanent supportive housing. Uh, I really worked to uh, increase the size of an affordable housing bond so that we could build more affordable housing. Uh, I have been involved in tenant protections and making sure that people don't become homeless to begin with and improving street outreach. During the, the pandemic, which was... Really, about half of my time in office, we've been in the pandemic. Uh, I authored the, the legislation to to uh, to expand the the shelter-in-place hotels, and then ultimately to keep them open and extend them. Uh, we've had over two thousand people go into the shelter-in-place hotels. That process of transitioning people off the streets, uh, you know, and then hopefully uh, in to housing is something that I think we should have learned a lot from, and we we were able to demonstrate some of the successes that can take place if you actually have real placements like the shelter in place hotels, and then ways to transition people into housing that we can actually create a pathway to end homelessness for for many many people. Uh, I worked a lot on mental mental health, and we I, I myself and Hillary Ronan authored mental health sf this is really transforming our system of behavioral health care uh some of the folks who are on the street do have behavioral health issues they're either you know seriously addicted or have untreated mental illness and so getting folks uh care and then into treatment uh within housing is 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 a huge part of that effort uh so a lot of what I do is, is, is related to homelessness. I I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that the, the the city and county has to actually make a commitment to end homelessness and not just manage it. Uh, and that, that means that we've got to move a lot quicker to get people off the streets and inside uh, in transition and then, and then permanently. And uh, I think a lot of our policies over time have been more about managing it and um, there were times at which we've acted with urgency, but I think we need to act with urgency all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, problems like homelessness, poverty, drug addiction, you know, it's really emblematic of the vast inequalities that are in the country, but, you know, in San Francisco. And I know that you brought forth a CEO tax where if the top executive of a company earns 100 times that of the median worker salary, the tax would be 0.1% of taxable gross receipts. If the top earner makes 200 times that of the median worker, the tax would double to 0.2%. And this passed with over 65% of the vote. And this is something that I actually wrote a research proposal for last semester, so I kind of want to get your take on it. Um, We see that elites, and when I say elites, I mean the super rich, tend to be more fiscally conservative and less accepting of progressive taxation on a national level but why is it then that one of the wealthiest cities in the United States and the entire world is also arguably one of the most progressive cities and has recently passed some of the most progressive wealth tax policies?
1: Well, I I do think that San Franciscans generally support wealth taxes when it's used for, to address important social problems. Uh, we, we, we passed, uh, uh, a, f- a few on this la- latest ballot as well. Generally, San Franciscans support taxes on uh, on on the wealthy to to address inequality. Uh, I do think that actually most cities do and most people do. Sometimes the politics of of a city kind of prevent it from happening. But if you look across the country, these are you know these are generally very very popular ideas. Uh, and 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 I think sometimes the more reactionary voices or the powers that would try to put a stop to them, get more attention or, or certainly have more money, (laughs) obviously, but um, that uh, we, uh, that, that, that we do that, that San Francisco's politics kind of allow these things to actually get to real proposals. And we have elected officials who are willing to, put them forward. I think that's the real difference. It's not even, you know, so much that the the electorate is that different in San Francisco. It's that our politics, thankfully, allow for some of these things to get the light of day and, and to be successful from a political standpoint.
0: Definitely. And also talking about addressing these inequalities, you are the budget chair now, um, which again is another opportunity for you to address these inequalities by making the budget more equitable. How do you tend to do that? And also to kind of better understand this, like what are your
1: responsibilities as budget chair? So as budget chair, I uh, hear the budget and in many ways negotiate the budget on behalf of the board of supervisors. We have a 14, roughly $14 billion annual budget. uh, And uh, the mayor proposes a budget and then uh, uh, I, uh, uh, as chair of the committee, uh, hold hold hearings on various parts of it, all of the departments, and then, with my colleagues, we uh, pass a budget that then the mayor signs into law. And in that role, I'm I'm sort of the chief negotiator on behalf of the board uh, with the mayor to to develop the budget. You know, I think everything in our in our city's budget is is in one way or another connected to inequality. You know, and 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 right now, a lot of what I'm thinking about is the ways in which the the pandemic have 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 exacerb- has exacerbated inequality in a variety of ways. Uh, people who lost their jobs, people who lost income, people who had to take care of their kids, you know, ended up going into a lot more debt or being squeezed, you know, even harder. And so, how do we you know, make sure that we bring them not just back to being whole, but Uh, come back even better than we were before the pandemic and addressing some of those inequities that made them especially vulnerable during the pandemic. And, you know, that's, uh, that's tenants, that's small businesses, that's families, that's kids uh, looking really at this, at the serious impacts of not just the year that we've been in, but even before that, the, the, the city that we live in, we live in a very progressive city, but it's, among the most unequal cities in the world, it is a city where there is just massive, massive wealth being created every day. But it's uh, as 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 things go in in in, in our economy, uh, not widely shared. And and that's the challenge that our budgeting process has to set out. You know, to make to give people more opportunities, to give people more jobs, to give people more support, to to uh, help them. Uh, uh, deal with the economic uh, situation that they're in.
0: Yeah. And this may be a bit more difficult to imagine with COVID, but where do you see San Francisco in five years? Like, what would be some of the most important changes that you would hope to see by then?
1: Well, I hope we have, you know, sy- systems that respond much more uh, effectively and in a coordinated way, uh, accessible way to deal with the the challenges that we're facing uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a city, whether that's on mental health or homelessness or or street cleaning, these are some of the things that I've really tried to address from a systems perspective. Uh, I, I would hope that we would be uh, a more equitable city, a more, um, a city with not such drastic, you know, uh, gaps between the rich and the poor, and that we have more stability for people who are uh, fam families and middle and, and working class people in our city. I you know I hope that we are a city that uh, embr- embraces progressive urbanism, as I would as I would call it. I don't know, I'm sure there's another word for that, but uh, you know I really think that we should be a city where you know public space is 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 widely uh, accessible and uh, where you can get around by transit and uh, um, and walking and biking safely and easily. That we uh, really embrace culture and art and music in a way that really people feel and 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 that this is a place where you know people find joy and and uh, you know a combination of the inequality. Uh, and the cost which is connected to the cost of living and also i think the the ways in which some of the the, ur- the urbanist aspects of our city i think need to be accelerated you know building more housing especially affordable housing build building better and more public transit and public space um you know we are we are progressive in many ways but the ways in which we are conservative <laughs> I think uh, really damage our, our quality of life here.
0: Yeah, I do think that there is a lot of hypocrisy. And I know we did just spend the past like 25-30 minutes talking about all the issues in San Francisco. But at the end of the day, I also really think that it's one of the most amazing places in the world. Um, it's not easy to put in words, because I think it's something that you just feel. Yeah, I mean, especially if you are born and raised there. Why do you think San Francisco is such a special place?
1: I do think that there are certain values that are uh, intrinsic to this city, whether you're born and raised here or you you come here. And I think those values fuel San Francisco and San Franciscans and renew us. You know, we, even when we're faced with hard times, that those values will guide us and you know, those values, you know, are, there, there's a number of them, but, you know, you know, being a place where folks are allowed, not only allowed, but celebrated in being themselves and embracing their identity and uh, often uh, even, you know, identities that are, uh, find judge- judgment or uh, exclusion or even violence in a lot of the rest of the, the country and the world, I mean, For so long, San Francisco has been a place where if you were kicked out of your home, if you were, uh, you know, fired for who you are, if you had an identity in a community where you felt totally alone, you could come here to this city and you could find people like you and you could find a city that, you know, and it wasn't always easy. You often had to, to fight for your space still even here, but this was a city that would embrace you and and where you could find that community and you know you could go down the, the list you know trans folks uh you know uh, uh, uh the leather community uh, people who were uh um uh, immigrants and refugees from central america from 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 the middle east from southeast asia uh you know i mean this city has been that, you know, early, earlier than that, it was Irish folks, it, you know, it was, it was folks from, you know, Chinese immigrants and it wasn't that it wasn't discrimination and racism, this city also has a long, ugly history of that. It's not always been easy, but this was a place where people came and they carved out that space and they found and they built that community. And it, it is ingrained at this point in the DNA of the city. And it's, that's really special. You know, it, it's, it's a unique thing that you can't say about many other places. Uh, there's also a spirit of, of innovation and, and entrepreneurship here. People come here, you know, and it's connected to, to, to people coming here and finding and being themselves. You can come here, and everybody else, everywhere else, said that your idea was stupid and would never make it. And they come here, and they and they make it happen. And uh, and San Francisco is a place where you can do that and find other people who are, you know, thinkers or who are strange in the same way that you're strange. <laughs> And uh and that's great. <laughs> and so I think that that, that type of uh almost a, a kind of a a spirit of of difference, but a difference that allows people to be themselves and to find others who who, who they share something with is, is really, really special about San Francisco and has been here for a long time, you know, for as long as San Francisco has been a city. And uh And so I I see that when I look around and I live in the Tenderloin and I think the Tenderloin represents a lot of that as well. And um, so it it makes me, you know, it allows things to be possible here and allows us to demonstrate what a different way of doing, living and being (laughs) is in ways that not many other people can. And it also makes us a threat to some people. You know some some people you know it's the reason why every now on fox news they want to talk about san francisco you know they're they're worried about what we're doing uh, because ultimately i think they know at some level that they want to attack us and stop us while we're doing something because ultimately that's where the rest of the country in the world is going to go
0: definitely and I, that's a really good answer and I, recently i've been living in geneva and in france And I feel like I've caught myself explaining how much I love San Francisco every other day and just how trying to explain the the magic that's in the city. But last question, something I ask everyone, what would you say to someone who wants to make a positive impact, but doesn't know where to start? It's a good question.
1: I would say, you know, find something that you care about and that you want to change. And then put yourself out there and put up put up a flag, you know, say, I'm going to organize this thing. I, you know, I, I look out and I see so many people who are who are out on the streets, who are suffering, who are struggling. I'm going to spend a day and I'm going to go out and give them hygiene kits and socks and a sandwich. Who who wants to join me? <laughs> and you'd be surprised. I bet you have 30, you know, maybe it's five of your friends, maybe it's 10, maybe it's, maybe it's 30. All of a sudden they came out and they join you and you go do that. Then you sit down and you say, what else should we do? What should we do next? And that type, that, that, that willingness to just step out on something very simple and very concrete and inviting other people to be a part of it is how, is how movements start is how, is how people have changed the world. There are people who sat there and say, you know what, I'm tired of this government or this oppressor, you know, treating us this way. Let's do this one little act of resistance and let's see who comes forward and joins us. And then they come together again and they say, what should we do next? What should we do next? What should we do next? And next thing you know, they've started a revolution. And, uh, and it does take people who are willing to do that and it's scary. And the thing that you do may feel like it doesn't matter or it's too small but the truth is that's how everything big starts with one act of of you taking a step out and taking a chance and inviting other's people to join you and then building off of that so i i think that that's that's how i started that's how you know, now I'm a city supervisor. I didn't sit there going, I wanna be a city supervisor. How do, I, how do I run for office? Let me pull out my papers. No, I said, you know what? There's a school in my, in my area who, where, where you know, they, they need more support. Let me go and talk to them and see what they need. They say, you know what, we could use some books. All right, I'm gonna ask all my friends to donate to this book drive. And then we build from there and uh and and so that's that that's how i think that people need to and and if that's all you do that's okay too (laughs) you don't have to start a revolution either (laughs) gotta do something
0: absolutely you just gotta start well thank you for joining the bold moves only podcast thank you it's great to be with you Okay, thank you to everyone for listening. And remember that everything on that ballot is important. Starting local is a great way to make a positive impact. Have a great day, and let's be bold.